Hello, everybody. Welcome to the happiest pod on earth. I'm Ariel. And I'm Steph. And we're Disney fans, but we're really so much more than that. Like, I'm a licensed therapist, and I use my clients' passions and fandoms to help them grow and heal from trauma and mental unwellness. And I'm an educator who uses passions and fandoms to help my students grow and learn about themselves and the world around them. Happiest Pod is a place where we dissect Disney mediums with a critical lens. Why? Because just like we are more than just fans, we expect more from the mediums we consume. And so today, Ariel, what Disney media or experience are we dissecting and sharing on this episode? So we're going to take it back, similar to what we're dissecting. We are going to dissect WandaVision. Ooh, WandaVision lately got so many Emmy nominations. Did you know that? Yes, Yes. worth it. Worth it. I don't know exactly how many, and maybe we can get that number by the end of the episode, but I think it's super awesome that these, the the Academy or whoever, is recognizing the work of Disney, not just Disney, but the work of comic book material, because I've always felt that comic books themselves as... um, readable mediums have their storytelling is so much more advanced than people take them for face value absolutely absolutely and and the uh, appreciation that it's becoming more than um i i think i think we consider comic books and comic mediums very uh childlike or immature there there mm-hmm. seems to be a stigma about um the culture of people who consume um uh comics and and even disney media right yeah, yeah. um so i think that now uh it's it, we're gaining more recognition uh, it shows that it's it's become very mainstream um mm-hmm. it, it's it's becoming a part of the general populace's palette um uh, mm-hmm. but also that um we're Given the way that WandaVision is created in regards to both honoring the comics and old sitcoms, mm-hmm. it's showing that um, th- that that projection and growth and evolution in regards to how we consume medium, but also um, the things that are still classic and timeless uh, mm-hmm. and how that molding together uh, is um I I would say worthy of of praise and honor, worthy of an award, but just something that we've known all along as as the audience, as the consumers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in the time where I guess not a lot of people are so focused on getting those awards, I know there's so much controversy around like Emmys and um, the Oscars and the Grammys. I just think the recognition from a wider audience, not just, you know, our our geeky audience and people who consume that media, it, it means a little bit. And I think it just shows that the people running these shows are true professionals and mm-hmm. the people who are producing the episodes and who are writing these scripts, they're really taking the time to elevate um, the storytelling that we're we're used to seeing in our previous Marvel movies. So I do have the statistics. WandaVision and 23 nominations, including Outstanding Limited Series at the next Emmy Awards. They um, also get a a nomination for Agatha All Along, the song. For outstanding music and lyrics, because you know that was an earworm for everybody who listened to it. It was like everywhere. Um, And Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany have outstanding lead actor and actress nods as well. So I think everybody from, I think also the the cinematography maybe, um, Mm -hmm. 
there's definitely directing um, outstanding supporting lead actress in Katherine Hahn as Agatha because she was crazy good crazy. in this show. Um, outstanding production design, outstanding period and or character hairstyling, which they fully deserve. Yes. I hope they win. Yes. I do see here they have outstanding sound editing and yes. sound mixing. Yes, um, that was they even got the the crackling of the old timey TV down. Yes. Um, and the visual effects um, talking about that were fantastic. They really got that old bewitched and I Dream of Genie style animation in the beginning of the episodes. So perfect. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that is, just leads into what we're going to talk about. And um, like we mentioned, whenever we talk about a TV or movie, it's full spoilers. So if you haven't seen WandaVision, pause and listen to any of our other podcasts or any other geek therapy podcast and come back to us because we are yes. going to be diving into the very nitty-gritty details of wandavision and pulling um, all of our pop reference cultures and knowledge to make connections and how we can use that to further our practices Mm -hmm. And if you have already seen WandaVision after listening to this episode, I would encourage you to go to GT Radio and listen to their um, review on uh, WandaVision and uh, its notes to grief and loss. Yes. Yes. So where are we going to start with this, Ariel? It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there are so many ways we could have taken uh, really talking about and dissecting this medium. Uh, and something that uh, Steph and I have an affinity for is is definitely retro, vintage, mm -hmm. and and things that are stylistic. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we we like we like to have a nice aesthetic, even yes. with our straws. <laughs> like like <laughs> you know, no more. Uh, you can get your paper straw, but if you use a reusable straw, uh, oh, yeah. obviously way better um so for us we were thinking very much uh artistic visual design um mm -hmm. the the sound uh really much uh, the consumption of um this medium a little bit in the story arc of wanda but really more in um its nods to other uh, other shows other mediums and sitcoms um yeah. and and very uh um how it was so retro but now is considered very avant-garde so yep. I, I think um, starting off with, obviously, the classic episode one, which, if you remember watching it the first time, was like, <laughs> what is going on? Why is yeah. this a black and white? Why <laughs> this? I, I don't I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Is yeah. this where it's going to be at? Normally, when we watch any sort of Marvel beginning, it's like a flashback. There's a child. Things are happening. We're going to follow this child and they're going to discover something or, you know, Peter Parker's going to get bit by a spider. I know that didn't happen yeah. that way, but yeah. that's just what we're expecting. So we're expecting to follow a character in a journey, but mm -hmm. it totally threw a wrench in our expectations where yes. it started off exactly like how um, the not Dick Van Dyke. We're going way, way, way further. We're going like, I love Lucy, black and white opening sitcom like animation and they and, definitely did in the first episode yeah. do some dick van dyke show yeah. um, tropes yeah um so uh definitely but but it even had you know some a little bit of bewitched in there yes. uh, especially in the the special effects um yeah and I, it, w it was we were used to fast pace yeah and we were used I, to like 
not just I don't even know how to explain it like I know we mentioned Michael Bay and like the whole Transformers trope how like he blows everything up (laughs) but we're so used to action Marvel movies that Mm -hmm. we're just like okay there's gonna be some sort of chase or we're gonna just like follow something there's gonna be some crazy cinematography and it completely grounded us and took us back to an era of TV viewing that we don't see anymore Mm -hmm. where it is you see credits first, you see an animation, you Mm -hmm. see something silly, and then you see a hard opening of a show where they open the door and you see a set. And even in modern sitcoms, you don't see that anymore. It's, it's, it's a totally different way of storytelling. So you find it's more of a linear, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Way of viewing it, especially because it's, um, it's an open set in clearly what looks like a stage, you know, homes yeah. don't look like that. Um, and yeah, it was it was like, what is happening? Um, and I do want to mention before we go on that uh, not only are we lovers of retro style and going to Dapper Day and everything, but Ariel here knows a lot more about art than I do because <laughs> she is an art therapist. And so she definitely engages in this medium and this visual medium so much more than I do. So it's going to be really fun to see your take on um, just visually consuming what they put on the screen in this very different way. Yeah, n- not so much in a WandaVision, but uh, I I never saw Knives Out when it came out. And <sighs> I, I watched it on um, streaming with my roommate. And in the opening scene, um, one of the main characters is holding a mug that says, my house, my rules. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this person's like very controlling. And, and I, I read it out loud. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's probably an important mug. And the mug makes it in the end and has mm-hmm. a very specific meaning in regards to my mm-hmm. house, my rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and he was like, how do you just notice something like that? But I'm like, how do you not notice something like yeah. that? Again, props, the props. Yes. I'm, I'm very into zooming in on props. <laughs> yeah. And it's great to to have that perspective. And this is one of those mediums or this is one of those shows that because everything was so retro, we didn't use we weren't used to finding Easter eggs and small props like that mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, because, like the commercials they yeah. had, right? Like oh, uh, the very the first, it. Uh, like it was, it was a toaster commercial, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, look, that's Vision!" Like, it, yeah. like there's, it has a we red dot. That. It says, <laughs> it says, it says a Stark on there somewhere, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "What are you talking about?" But if yeah. you freeze frame it, like it's a robot toaster, mm-hmm. like made by Stark Industries, and it has yeah. a red dot in its head. And we're used to trying to find these Easter eggs at this point because we have seen Mm -hmm. so many different Marvel movies that inject these either just like playful props or playful Mm -hmm. um, visuals, but also some of them are foreshadowing. So they did a little bit of both in WandaVision in um, using those commercials as vehicles to, to show how scary the world she was, you know, weaving together was because in the later commercials they were featuring the same people and you Mm -hmm. know those people were actually um townspeople of westview and they were trapped because this was all just her orchestration spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) super spoiler alert but um yeah we're now seeing a 30 minute format right of Mm -hmm. a marvel show and we had feelings around that yeah, so um, something we're not used to, right? We, I mean, not not only 
before the pandemic, we were used to just seeing Marvel movies. And obviously a, a movie format is a lot longer than a TV format. Um, but additionally, uh, because of the pandemic, we've been given um, more and more movies that are even longer because they can mm-hmm. stream longer. And even with TV shows, we're given the entire series. Like you can binge it all um, up front. But with these series, I mean, we didn't see this in- until The Mandalorian. Um, and now I think it's going to be more common on Disney Plus where it's just like watching uh, TV back in our day where you had mm-hmm. to wait. You had to wait a week for the, yeah. for the next episode. And um, it, it it's not as easy to find those continuity <laughs> errors what like no. it is with binging. Uh, and so it it forced it. And you mentioned being grounded. It forced us to have to really consider what we were consuming. It forced us to have to um, pause and it gave a lot of opportunity to try and predict, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, who do we, what do we think this Easter egg means or or who do we think is going to come in next? And if, if you weren't going on IMDB, then you were doing a lot of just um, your Mm -hmm. own uh, guesswork and, and your own fact finding and weaving things together. And I think that builds excitement and anticipation that Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to uh, necessarily feel when we can consume an entire series and and essentially a weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it keeps the the mysterious uh, things that Marvel likes to keep under wraps because, you know, all of their cast, all of their crew is tight lipped on anything that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling that if I was a Marvel Disney executive, they were already doing that in the larger sense with their movies. They had us yes. wait months on end for mm-hmm. Avengers, Age of Ultron, Avengers Endgame. So why not do that in a smaller scale format and in not releasing everything all at once? They know the fans are going to wait for them. I'm going to wait for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to wait and maybe not all the time, but I know some of you will wait till midnight, 12 p.m. On, or 12 a.m. on the dot to press play yes. and See it before everybody else says so that the next day when you're at work or at school or wherever you are, you can talk about, oh, my gosh, did you watch this? Like, I watched it this morning. And so many of our friends and in um, our group chat said, oh, my gosh, I just watched it. And it's like freaking three in the morning. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) But that's that's the hype that they that they're really good at. at projecting and and coming up with because they know that we're going to wait for it. So might as well keep keep people guessing, keep articles coming, keep the buzz um, like at the top of everybody's feeds, because Mm -hmm. even when we were talking about Loki, we were guessing every single week what was going on because we didn't know how it was going to end. So I think with WandaVision, it being so far out of what we're used to seeing, I think people were just either stumped mad that they didn't yes. know what was going on straight up upset totally like turned off to the series because it's not what they were expecting definitely a lot of the action heads in our communities mm-hmm. were just like what the is this like <laughs> i didn't tune in to like see some old timey whatever blah blah, blah. and black if you and white what yeah if you weren't invested in the storytelling of wandavision you probably were totally turned off by it and didn't tune in again until the Malcolm in the Middle episode, maybe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> where the cosplay happens. Yeah, I think that, like you mentioned, you know, some execs, they took a risk with this. Oh, they, yeah. they took a huge risk because, you know, in watching um, Falcon the Winter Soldier and in watching Loki, those felt like 
quote unquote traditional uh, Marvel media um, that we've been consuming, this was very unique and different. Uh, and um, I, I think, you know, because of its uniqueness stands out um, mm -hmm. in regards to, to these other series. Um, uh, give it to the girls. <laughs> oh yeah. Give it to the girls to make it stylistic, classic, and also smart. I think mm -hmm. WandaVision was very smart. You really had to think about what was going on and like detach yourself um, because they didn't detach themselves from the WandaVision uh, world mm -hmm. until episode two, right? Where we see Monica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until until then, we're, um, uh, we're not really sure what's going on. Uh, and I think that that eeriness, that confusion... Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked it. I like yes. not being able to to predict and guess what was going on. It made mm -hmm. it more exciting. Uh, and I think is pretty much the ambivalence we feel about Wanda or or the because it's is she a good guy or is she a bad guy? That mm -hmm. is is been how she's been introduced in the series, very back and forth. Um, and her journey in regards to that that decision we need to decide at some point whether this character is going to be um villainous or not and i think mm -hmm. i think this series answered that and it answered it in the in very much the way that we felt her which was mm -hmm. we would see we would see her against the avengers we'd see her with the avengers we'd see her split up with the avengers like mm -hmm. it, it, we'd see her alone it, it that that common theme is represented in all these episodes in regards mm -hmm. to her story arc yeah, absolutely. And I think what you mentioned about it being creepy, I think that's uh, a sentiment that you can feel for a lot of retro TV and mm -hmm. a lot of retro movies, mm -hmm. because you see this world portrayed so perfectly and so well thought out. Everybody is um, hair is coiffed, clothes are totally ironed, like all the way. Everyone's dressed to the mm -hmm. nines all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. In our reality, that's just not true. We wake up out of bed, not looking cute, no makeup no. on. Like I woke up like this is like a real thing. <laughs> and, you know, there's something creepy about everything being so perfect, like the stepward wives and that yes. trope of being the perfect wife and being the perfect mother and being the perfect house, um, mm -hmm. housewoman, caregiver to everybody, having it all together, just waiting for your husband to come home mm -hmm. and have everything perfect and laid out. There's something creepy about that. And I think that was definitely translated in the way that Wanda wanted to make everything so perfect so yes. she can shield herself from the world around her and shield the yeah. sadness and the loss and the pain that she's still actively going through mm -hmm. um, because it was the only way that she could cope. And and very dreamlike, yeah. right? Like when we're talking about using it as as a coping mechanism, living sort of in, in a fantasy, a full-on fantasy that she was able to create with her powers, those beginning episodes are dreamlike because everything is perfect. And then we find out that, that the mishaps that do happen, they're from Agatha, not from her. So yeah. if Agatha had not noticed her powers and had not inserted herself in Wanda's um, world, mm -hmm. uh, I'm... I would think that it would be even eerier than like looking back at old sitcoms because there probably mm -hmm. would be no plot and there probably would be no 
um, quote unquote struggles. I don't even know if we would have moved past, you know, like the 1950s um, oh, in, in, her, in her timeline. I think that mm-hmm. she would have still been um, uh, very um, curled hair, coiffed, and even mm-hmm. the costuming they had, it forced her to sit upright. They, they talked about um, mm-hmm. in Assembled, if you watch uh, that series on Disney+, Plus, the costumes definitely had um a a corset type feel to force everybody to sit up straight and just that very like 90 degree sort of like Mm -hmm. erect angle um kind of gives you uh the sense that this world isn't supposed to be off balance and how is that possible and then it isn't until near the end of the episode when we get very much they use the twilight zone effect of tilting the camera zooming in changing the music that Mm -hmm. we were like no yeah this this world's off yeah let's talk a little bit about um what it takes to recreate something so accurate right um in order for them to really capture the feel of these sitcoms in their respective eras they had to do the same things that those exact shows did Mm -hmm. and a couple of those things is that episode one was taped in front of a live studio audience um, and that is something that is very rarely done nowadays especially covid because you don't have live studio audiences anymore and you would have a laugh track right and um Mm -hmm. can we explain a little bit about what a laugh track is and like using that in um in tv shows i think I can definitely speak to that because I've seen a lot of old, old, old sitcoms. And the laugh track was used as a break for um, the script, basically. And they use that for the um, people who are acting to play off of and use that to kind of project and um, move their emotions forward. So they would pause. They would know when the audience was going to laugh because it was put in the script. And mm-hmm. there was a little light in the audience that turned on that says laugh or oh. audience. And then the audience was then laugh because they are part of the experience and they are part of the taping. So um, in order to create that feel, they did that in the first episode. And I would have loved to have been one of those people. <laughs> Yes, I, I I wish I'd known there was a call for that uh, to yeah. be a part of this live studio audience taping. I think even when it, you're thinking of the the laugh tracks, the other thing is it's training the audience to know what's funny. Yes. Um. And the and for me, in regards to thinking of the the Marvel universe, like we've seen them shifting more and more towards jokes and humor. Uh. But it's hard to tell when something's supposed to be funny. Uh. Given that you know, like everybody has very different humor styles, and, and yeah. we kind of laugh at different things. The, the the again, these these beginning episodes are are telling you you are only allowed to react this way, mm-hmm. or you're only supposed to. And that, again, yes, so (laughs) limiting. It shows you not only how limiting those eras were in regards Mm -hmm. to just emotional depth and the ability to be expressive. Mm -hmm. um, It also, again, gets that eerie vibe of like, wait, why is this funny? Why is that funny? (laughs) And why is everything funny? (laughs) Yeah. And even when Vision is like, I'm going to work doing the computer things. Hello, Kitty. Uh, Hello, Kitty. Um, When he's typing and doing the computer thing, he's not even 100% sure of what he is doing. So, I mean, and I think that that's really interesting that we're going through this world through Vision's mind. Vision himself is kind of like the audience in, in 
where he's not sure what's going on. Mm -hmm. So the only person that we can relate to is Vision because he's been dropped into this place without knowing what happened to him previously or what is going to happen to him in the future. Everybody else seems to know what's going on, especially his um his deskmate at work is just like, "Oh, you know, we're doing these things and computing the stuff." And he's just like, "Oh, computers, what is what is this?" And you're just like, "Wait, what the heck is going on?" Even he doesn't know what's like happening and then he doesn't know if it's their anniversary or if they're um, celebrating something and then when like that is scary in itself imagine waking up and not knowing what day it was what your agenda was for the day we're so used to planning things out digitally and in our minds and months weeks in advance Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. being present which is a very um common thing in retro tv and also just in the world of our past being present and just going through your day and letting it unfold like that is something so foreign to us and scary. So foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think seeing the world through Vision's eyes really made at least me feel a little bit comfortable because mm-hmm. it was starting to get really creepy, not exactly knowing what was real and what was not. And in a world where everything was so obviously fake, it was kind of like a mind trip to go on yeah. because yeah. the lobster that they were holding, clearly <laughs> fake. They could have made that <laughs> clearly real. Clearly <laughs> fake. Yeah, I think that was the other thing is um, they decided to not only shoot in the frame that TVs were, Mm-hmm. back in those days um so that so they had to they had to find very specific type of camera framing and cameras to shoot um at that format they used special effects until it was an era where visual effects were created mm-hmm. so they matched that era um and the special effects um and and props artists were uh some of them had worked on Bewitched. So they were able to recreate, you know, those those recipe cards floating on a string. Mm-hmm. But looking at it from our perspective, we clearly know this this is fake. Like I mm-hmm. I can tell that this is not she's not really using her magic. So what exactly is going on that they are, you know, really stepping back in in um the the way that they're visually creating things. And it was because they were replicating that experience mm-hmm. of sitcom. Um it the I, I mean and and even being acknowledging some of the I guess tropes of those sitcoms and like Agatha coming in and she was like, you know, what modern wife <laughs> nowadays wouldn't have a full like dinner ready like yeah. on hand. That was a an expectation back then that that mm-hmm. women um very again Stepford wife that you have a, a specific role and your role is to feed the family, your role is to keep this house clean, your role mm-hmm. is to look cute. Um, somehow um, make that lobster in your heels. <laughs> yeah. And you know that Wanda is sort of a foreigner still. And we know mm-hmm. that Wanda herself, her character is a foreigner. She's from Sokovia, Eastern European made-up mm-hmm. nation. And yeah. you see that there's an element of, and if you're a, an immigrant, a migrant, or a, ch- a child of an immigrant, you know that these things are familiar, but still foreign. So yes. the idea of having dinner on the table, having like a spread and all of those fixings together for this dinner with the boss is still sort of a not so familiar concept. And she's just like, wait, I need help with this because I I don't exactly know how I'm supposed to do this. And you, you then see, oh my gosh, Wanda is still trying to figure out what this exactly looks like because as real as it seems and as like on point as we see it to be there's mm-hmm. still something quite off about it and as you were talking ariel i i 
I was thinking there was definitely some Disney magic involved in this show. Yeah. Because we know going to the parks and we know um, with very old, old, old Disney movies, animated and live action, there's a certain style that comes with it. There's a certain like Disney magic that I don't know, can't really explain. But when you're watching old movies like The Old Parent Trap mm-hmm. and you're watching old movies like um, I think the one that they shot at Disneyland. I don't know if it's a Disney movie, but they shot it at Disneyland. I forget the name, but um, I know a lot of you Disney fans know about it. It's There's just this feel to it that is a little bit magical. And I think they really captured that in WandaVision because they got it so right, but like a little too right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They did just, they turned it all the way up. So that's how you knew something was wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I mean, if I had known this was WandaVision and someone had just shown me like some 1950 shows and then that, (laughs) I, again, I would have assumed. Would have known. And even the rest of the eras, when we got to the 70s and when we got to the 90s, like if you had shown me some sitcoms there and then this, they matched. Um, And they Mm -hmm. matched not just in special effects, not just in wardrobe, um, not just the set and propping, but they matched in music. The 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 two... um, Writers of all the songs, they picked a, a specific melody to input in all every episode's theme song, but they only used instruments that were very common um, mm-hmm. in those eras, uh, and they only used um, a, a sort of songwriting and mm-hmm. beats that you would expect in those eras. So it was a completely immersive experience. Yeah, you are not hearing no trap beats, eight oh eight music in no. any of these. <laughs> early episodes and you totally see that and um it became really evident to me during the Malcolm in the Middle Halloween spectacular yes. episode because it felt super 90s to me the graphics mm-hmm. that they were using in the beginning the iconic like stretching of the background behind yes. the the text title was so iconic of Malcolm in the Middle like the the fisheye lens where mm-hmm. everybody's just kind of getting in the camera it was very early 90s um such a such a big step, I think, from the previous episode, which was still kind of Brady Bunch um, inspired. I feel yeah, like they skipped it was like um, a lot. It was definitely <laughs> Full House and um, uh, uh, mm, I'm I'm trying to think. Um, Ah, uh, with there's one more. I'm uh, I've gone blank, but that happens. Um, but Is yeah. That- it, are you, are you thinking like of another? Like, oh, good times. Good times. Yeah. 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 Good times. Yeah, it, was, it was very um, uh, good times in the full mm-hmm. house and a little bit of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there they was a dis- over that period. And yeah. I was surprised. I was really surprised because when we think of 90s sitcoms, yes, of course, I do think Malcolm in the Middle, but that's more of like 99, almost like borderline millennia area yeah, or yeah, a millennia yeah. era. Um, because I think of Full House, I think of Family Matters, I think of Step by mm-hmm. Step, I mm-hmm. think of um, all of the TGIF, Sister, Sister, like, yes. those are the things that I remember from 90s sitcoms. And I'm wondering, and I don't have the answer to this, why they decided to kind of skip that, like, stylistically? <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like maybe because it's not as stylistic as I, like iconic, like we're yeah. we're we're shifting from vintage to retro, 
right? And yeah. um, and now we're we're um, when it comes to sort of like '90s, that has become at least some of the '90s styles has become more present and modern now. Uh, it's it's being sort of reclaimed. Uh, the and not the the shirts over jeans. No, it's like the crop top. So like no, the it's the, like- the glowing part of the '90s. <laughs> Seriously, I know Y two K era. We're gonna we're gonna digress a little bit because I know we've been having conversations of as women. I struggled in the nineties to yes. find any sort of. Well, I mean, I was like what eleven, right? So that kind of shows our age a little bit. But I was not feeling cute in the nineties. It was so frumpy. Like I think I could barely afford going to limited two at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you would shop from a catalog. Do you remember Delia's? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Everything was like. But then everything then was hearkening back to the sixties because yeah. everything was like very flowery and tie dye and like block and I did have coloring. Bell bottoms. Yeah, bell bottoms. So it's like. <laughs> Do I stick with my cargo baggy jeans and cargo yeah. baggy khakis with the super crop top that like I a don't feel comfortable in and B would probably get a dress code violation at school for? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or do I just stay looking like a tomboy and I just yeah. stay looking like a tomboy because same, that was just easy same. for me. Not only was it easier, but I for me I was raised by a single dad and I had a brother, so <laughs> uh, at a certain point we were all going to kind of dress the same. Oh. <laughs> And I mean, I I come from, um, excuse me, a migrant household, so I didn't really have the money to keep up with trends. And Mm -mm. I thought about that, actually, before we filmed this episode. I knew so many of these sitcoms because I didn't have cable. I don't know if you didn't grow up without cable, but I was There was no cable on the military base. (laughs) Really? They don't pamper you for, you know, serving our country and laying your life on the line for Not the fam. goodness of our borders? Nah, really? fam. I had like six channels. <laughs> Disney no. Channel's one of them, thank goodness. See, and I didn't even have Disney Channel, so I, I was living in 13 channels. Um, for those of you in L.A., no Two was CBS, four was NBC, um, five was KTLA, but then they always showed reruns. So if you were sick at home, you would watch things like the Mary Tyler Moore show, the Brady mm. Bunch. I loved, and I think that's why I have such an affinity for retro TV and vintage TV is because I that was the only thing that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, being, you know, working class and not being able to afford cable, not till like way, way at like, later on in life I could only consume media that was limited in what they showed in the mornings and in the evenings and I think tying back to the way Wanda was viewing American culture in another country Country. Mm -hmm. that is a um, that's a journey that a lot of immigrants and migrants and foreigners consume American media something's going on with my voice But they only see what the VHS shows them. They only see what their family in America sends to them. And they only see what is pirated and sold for pennies on the street. So many of my cousins in the Philippines only know American culture through the Brady Bunch and through I Love Lucy. I Love Lucy is so popular in other Mm -hmm. countries because of the way that it's connected Um different people in different countries to what the American dream was. And yes, if you're yes. 
journey is to get out of your country and go to America, that is the ideal. You want to be in a nuclear household with mm-hmm. a loving, you know, male and female relationship. And that is what's portrayed. And that is what yeah. you you aim for. And anything outside of that is considered out of the norm. And mm-hmm. so I think that's really, I, I really like the episode where we see Wanda and her DVDs and her holding onto her DVDs for dear life because that is what her hobby is. That is what her love is. And that is what she connects to because she's so, so, so wants to get out of her situation and you see mm-hmm. that is it's not a good situation mm-hmm. yeah and in regards to like talking about that medium we consume like that that was what she was consuming in regards to um an ideal life mm-hmm. uh, so of course if she has the the actual powers and ability to to recreate that she's going to recreate that um yeah. there, there was there were levels of safety uh i think the the other thing in regards to um just how her experience was um uh growing up with with this this imagery in these films um uh i was i noticed that a, a good chunk of them had um you know what she was emulating really like male leads mm-hmm. uh and um it wasn't until she sort of created literally her own episode um, that we and became um, uh, Scarlet Witch that we saw her actually claim her mm-hmm. show, right? Like, mm-hmm. like actually claim this world as her own. Yeah. Um, she was letting things even unfold for herself, despite the fact having the control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that very much shows her her shift of how um, control and chaos are a fine line. Um, people yeah. think that they are are binary in that they are worlds apart from each other. And they're next door neighbors. Yep. Um, <laughs> they are so I, close. They could be sharing I, a wall. <laughs> sharing a wall. I um I I always relate it to when I'm I'm talking to clients about like integration, like integrating mm-hmm. different parts of ourselves. Um my my dad has OCD. Um and he has OCD where he has to check things. Um and so you can say that's very controlled. He has to, you know, um check the locks at least 20 times. That's it's a mm-hmm. high number, right? Um but that's very chaotic to have to go back yeah. and check something 20 times and not trust mm-hmm. um, or uh, what you what you saw, what you touched, what you felt, your mind telling you, you know, essentially gaslighting you and saying like, no, you need to check it again. So yeah. that's that that fine line. And I feel like because she's essentially she has chaos magic, like we've already identified yeah. it at K- as actual chaos. Um, it really shows how controlled she's actually been this whole time yeah the whole time in not in just what we see her in Westview but also when you're looking back at that scene with like her parents she only had a limited amount of DVDs that she could take and only a limited amount of um, choices that she had and also she had to be told when and where to watch it they had to Mm -hmm. you know she wanted to wait for her family obviously but they were so limited in what they could see when they could watch it that every single step was calculated for her Mm -hmm. and you see Mm -hmm. that already in the beginning and then when everything gets blown out of the water and they're left to just her and Pietro Mm -hmm. she then becomes the decision maker but she doesn't quite know how to do that so she somehow, and we don't see this part, but I know in the comic books, um, she finds herself and her brother in certain situations where she has to 
kind of attach herself to larger male figures in order to mm-hmm. go on and survive in her life. Mm-hmm. And also the comic books, she's seen as Magneto's daughter. Yeah. So that way is a little bit and very much different from the way that they decided to portray her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But also it it draws parallels from there is a higher purpose and she is just kind of like a pawn in that. And that is how she is used in the original story. But you also see that when she is introduced in the MCU as um, somebody who's just used to following directions and um, really looking out for her younger brother. Um, And that's a very older sister sort of sentiment that I can relate to. I'm an older sister. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And I see a lot of that. And common even in twins, people yeah. forget that they're still an older and a younger, and they mm-hmm. they vehemently know it. Um, yeah. And so for her, like, she, and then to lose her younger sibling, so so the amount of grief and loss she continues yeah. to experience. Right? We've got we've lost parents, we've lost an entire country. So mm-hmm. so uh, no no actual home to sort mm-hmm. of go back to. Um, and you know now it, it, essentially losing her life partner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, the, it it's it's very much um uh understandable why she would want to escape to these mediums mm-hmm. and even going back into her childhood there was war going on in Sokovia um yeah. and uh that is, the people who are having to try and like ignore what's going on in their outside walls to keep themselves safe and and essentially emotionally safe mm-hmm. right we we fully divulge or, or or digest our mediums we 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 fully immerse ourselves cuz that's the only way that you can ignore sort of like these bombs going off i know um for me i lived in the the safety of a military base but you know you depending on how close you were to the armory, like you, you heard those things all the time. Mm -hmm. You sort of started to get um, jaded and, and not, not be able to tell the difference between what was considered unsafe and what was considered safe. Or even like um, when my dad retired in Kansas, um, you know, we had a, an alarm that went off at noon to, mm-hmm. to, and it was our um, tornado watch alarm, and it's just just to test it. But after a while, you got so used to it that when there was an actual tornado coming, it was hard to tell the difference um, and when we should go underground. Which anyone can tell you in Kansas, they still don't go underground. Everybody wants to see it, <laughs> but um, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> in talking in regards to just um, knowing what's considered safe, uh, detaching ourselves from the moment yeah. is is a is a level of safety it's a coping skill that we that we need um when when things are out of our control mm-hmm. um and for for wanda her grief was literally out of her control there was there was yeah. no way that she was going to be able to summon up enough magic to even recreate vision that that was vision because he was very mm-hmm. autonomous and oh, her super. vision was not it took no. him a while to get there yeah <laughs> but i think yeah, yeah. It, it it took him a while to get there, but we we still see him as Vision, the amalgam of Tony Stark's AI, and mm-hmm. you know, um, just him being frankly a robot. And I, I mean, for me, I always wonder, like, wow, like she found love in somebody who isn't fully human. Like, it really takes a special person to find um, a life and a heart in in something that we see as just a creation of technology, right? 
Um, so we we already know that there's something special there. That's something that we don't see and quite understand, but we still see it as very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vision himself, he as he's discovering himself through this series, he's stuck in the middle of, am I supposed to act like a human or am I supposed to act like what I'm feeling, which is more of Vision as, you know, AI vision, <laughs> yes, yes. fully, you know, realized. Um, but I do want to go a little bit uh, backwards in what you were saying when you were in Kansas and living on a military base. I feel like um, being a teacher in pretty much downtown Los Angeles, like we're downtown Los Angeles adjacent. We're always hearing sirens, helicopters. Mm-hmm. We're always mm-hmm. going into lockdown. That is just like a normal thing for us. We're, we're you know, used to hearing people on the street kind of yelling transients Mm -hmm, um we're used mm -hmm. to seeing you know um people who are displaced just like not knowing where they are we're used to that sort of chaos in and around our schools and so our kids are jaded to some extent into just focusing on school us as teachers we put on media we do all sorts of things in the classroom to distract ourselves from letting them know hey we're in a lockdown um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's police activity just right across the street probably either a domestic dispute somebody has like a gun um those things are normal to us and i think that is very relatable in the way that wanda as a child decides to cover herself and shield herself from all the chaos around her because that's what children are really good at doing their imaginations are so large and they're so eager to find comfort in anything Mm -hmm. whether Mm -hmm. it be in story time in closing the blinds and putting on a short film or closing the blinds listening to story time just like totally detaching yourself because you just want to feel safe um and in some ways i feel like switching gears we did that during the pandemic i yeah, remember during the protests and during civil unrest here in and i'm in the valley so i was far away from where i work downtown but um van nuys was like one of the places that was really hit with the looting and mm-hmm. a lot of um protests and just people just like fed up and upset and just like going through all of the businesses and destroying them. So at one point I was just hearing explosions maybe like every 30 minutes. I didn't know what they were. Yeah. And yeah. at that time my son was about four months old. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to shield him as a parent as well from hearing all of these sounds. He doesn't know yet if they're scary or real or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. but I didn't want him to feel my fear. So we would distract ourselves. We would put on Disney Plus. We would watch things and try to just make sure that they felt safe in any way, shape, or form. So we, I definitely can relate to what you were saying. Um, but I know that we talked a lot about um, not just grief, but creating this world that is your safe space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think um, in, in therapy, we ask clients to create comfort corners, mm-hmm. either like in the real world or in their mind, um, um, safety corners, um, yeah. safe spaces that you can go to in your mind's eye when you are feeling anxious. And um, for for Wanda, she was able to do that with these sitcoms. And, and again, because I think sitcoms were a smart choice. They're formulaic. They're predictable. They're they, so comforting. <laughs> they're so comforting. Um, and then even thinking about the way the comedy is, it's very slapstick, right? Yeah. Like if we think of 
uh, queen of slapstick, I love Lucy. Like yeah. we saw some of that in in WandaVision and the mm-hmm. um, the way that she was, you know, um, um, moving the ingredients around. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah. I, it very was bewitched. A, a ni- very bewitched. <laughs> and I dream of Jeannie. So yes. cute. Uh, it was a good respite um, mm-hmm. t- because a lot of the humor is often very um, sarcastic, snarky. Dry. We don't get that. Dry. We don't get that until we get to like the 90s. Um, yeah. The, the yeah. Malcolm the Middle uh, sort of inspired episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we start to see her... Um, let her guard down there mm-hmm. uh and that's why the humor changes uh yeah. and i think that that's also when we start to see her world unravel mm-hmm. yeah in the classroom as well we have a peace corner in every classroom for kids to just take a break because sometimes learning is really stressful mm-hmm. and you know you you can feel some emotions that you just need to learn how to self-regulate and Wanda was the queen of self-regulation because she was creating all this magic to create her peace corner um but yeah definitely um the the humor and the comfort that we find in just the sitcom structure where Mm -hmm. we know it was every Friday at 7 p.m we knew that there was gonna be one story that we followed and that we are going to laugh and we're going to find a little twist at the end. Mm-hmm. We're going to end the episode resolving whatever problem that was presented in the beginning of the episode. And then we get to rest and then f- look forward to the next one. There wasn't too much of an underlying like larger story arc in many of these sitcoms. It was mm-hmm. just very um, problem, resolve, happiness, let's have dinner, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, not not until we see um, the interweaving of storylines in Modern Family, which they yeah. touch upon in the later episodes. And I have to shout out Elizabeth Olsen for her Claire Dunphy impression. Yes. I am such a huge Modern Family um, uh, fan. And the way she looks at the camera and does that like mom stare, like, are you freaking kidding me? I love that. <laughs> that was like the best. And I was just like, she freaking nailed it. Like, I love it. So um we didn't see those interlocking storylines until then. And there there was there was no there was no comfort there anymore because now you have the kids who are grown and they're kind of thinking of their mom and we're not quite sure if they're figments of her imagination yet mm-hmm. at that point when they're introduced mm-hmm. because the the weird way that they aged and that yeah. kind of creeped me out a little bit. Which Did it creep you out? It creeped me out. <laughs> which it also also made me think of sitcoms when they were like replace yeah. younger kids and siblings, and all of a sudden yeah. they're just older, but everybody else isn't as older because they're not like oh, yeah. kids aging. Yeah. Uh, that rapid aging thing is something we've seen. It usually doesn't happen yeah. in that episode. No, but it's it like all of a sudden by next season they've replaced yeah. this person with someone who's like way older yeah. that's somehow supposed to play younger. I think that um, also, that was a. Uh, and like, then the knowingness that they knew that they yeah. were aging, like, oh, I'm going to make a decision to be 10 because <laughs> yeah. I want the a dog. awareness so weird. <laughs> um, but speaking of kids, the way she gave birth, let me just say, ah. if I could give birth that easily, I'd have a ton of kids at this point. <laughs> Because I was like, how are they going to show this? And then I, as a mother who had just given birth, was like, I've seen so many different ways that sitcoms portray this. Um, 
mainly the one that sticks out to me is the one in the office where Pam is <laughs> she her water breaks and then she she um gets you know sent to the hospital with Jim and it's just like total chaos because like Michael's trying to record it but then when she's in the delivery room you hear her screaming and you hear her just like in pain and then Michael steps in and he's just like oh god that baby's gonna have a lot of hair and that is the first time that that kind of grossness of of childbirth in a sitcom was you know (laughs) portrayed to me but Back then, we didn't. We never saw Lucy give birth to little Ricky. We never. Well, so like, in the Mary Tyler Moore show, yeah, um, Georgette gives birth at Mary's apartment. So I yeah. think that's sort of what they were harking. I think to, so too, because it is yeah. the 1970s. Yes, and just as a as hilariously goofy. <laughs> yes, just as, as hilariously this. goofy, and anyone knows any woman, any real like 21st century being knows that childbirth is not like that. <laughs> It is, it is not cute. Um, it's very messy. And yes. that's all I got to say about that. And, and to, the, to keep this pristine world, it would not have happened. the only they had was her magic sort of like binging in and out, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, babies were came out clean. Mm-hmm. Um, like fully uh, grown almost. Like <laughs> Yeah. They look like they had lived a couple weeks at least. Because <laughs> we all uh, know in creating a perfect sitcom, babies are not going to follow your stage directions they're not going to know their cues so whenever we saw babies in sitcoms they were fully grown they were fully grown um or they're plastic yes or they're plastic oh my gosh the plastic baby it's always fun to see and point out oh my god that baby's fake fake baby (laughs) fake baby um but we touch there are so many things i think in wandavision to to tackle stylistically um emotionally with wanda's female uh female i guess gaze you can say in somebody as an outsider looking in but Mm -hmm. at the same time creating her world she's kind of laying out the tracks as she goes Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and how i feel like many women do that in their everyday lives especially as mothers and as wives and just um caregivers we're kind of laying out the tracks as we go because we don't know what's going to happen chaos can ensue i feel like every mother and wife has a little bit of um or any head of household that's a woman really you don't have to be a wife or a mother to know that um if you're keeping the house together there's little chaos magic that has to happen in order for it to make it to the next day so i think there's there's a lot of things to be said about that that we can you know tackle in a whole nother episode (laughs) but um I guess with every medium, maybe we can talk about what we loved and what we didn't love, I guess, because we really loved WandaVision. Yeah, I, re- I did. I really loved WandaVision um, uh, in, in regards to the evolution of um, her hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so we know that it represents different eras of television but it's also Mm -hmm. very symbolic of her mental state throughout the series and that um be wanting to control her identity and forcing a very specific presentation of self and the unraveling of it and Mm -hmm. literally the unraveling of her hair showing that because in the 1950s episode again we mentioned it was curled and coiffed and had you know stepford y vibes shorter uh pressed uh towards her head and if i think of you know the hex it was smaller at the time um it was still sort of being crafted it was pressed close to her there Mm -hmm. wasn't other narrative being 
um, that we were aware of. But still, there was an other narrative being brought in, at least on Vision's part, right? Eventually, we see him sort of go off on his own. Um, and then her hair continues to lengthen as her powers in the hex grows. Yeah. Um, and uh, once sort of the town mirage comes undone, her hair is shaggy, it's loose, it's messy, it's mm-hmm. unkept. Um, it looked like can, undone braids. Like it looked you like undo your un- braids. <laughs> undone braids, yes. Like, I, I need to let this out. I need to breathe. Yes. Um, until it became a mane. Once she was mm-hmm. fully Scarlet Witch, it was red. It was it was wavy. It was illuminating Big. fire. It was uh-huh. huge. It was a huge mane. It was her chaos magic coming off of her. Mm-hmm. And a part of it was her embracing her full self. If we think of tight like quaffed curls Mm -hmm. you're you are not embracing really your full self what you're doing is you're creating a presentation of self you want others to digest Mm -hmm. in this case it was like to hell what you think right i'll literally send you there (laughs) i'm gonna be me um and And it takes time to do hair like that so you already know that there's oh my gosh if anybody's done pin curls it takes forever and a day to get them right and it takes practice you got to do it every single day until you get them right and i think that is something that uh it's a very vintage um personality trait of women back in the day to get Mm -hmm. themselves ready in order to be presentable for the males and for everybody else in the world that they're going to go out and see when they go to the grocery Mm -hmm. store (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i mean her being her full self just shows that you know what I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm not living for anybody else. I'm living for me and what makes me happy, which she's still trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I know that it, this is probably a moving towards her being a villain. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I'm wondering how her hair will change in that sense, because there's no way it's going to stay even with, with this, because this yeah. embracing of self, um, that's her embracing her power and and that it may actually also be just naturally and innate to her, um, not just given to her by the Mind Stone. But I mm-hmm. also think that as she starts to become more villainous, it'll probably become like those tendrils like we saw in Agatha, right? Like yeah. these these sort of like um, has has its own arms and legs even, right? Yeah. Could, could reach out and grab you. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing I really liked, obviously, I loved the music choices. And um, in the in the 90s um, uh, episode for the, what was like the Malcolm in the Middle, mm-hmm. uh, the singer of uh, that theme song is Kathleen Hanna from Bikini mm-hmm. Kill mm-hmm. Uh, from the Riot Girl music era. Yeah, and yep. um, for those uh, who don't know, um, the Riot Girl music era happened in the 1990s and it was mm-hmm. underground feminist punk movement. Um, and this subculture had music that was for feminism and mm-hmm. politics. Politics. And uh, at the concerts, what Riot Girl um, bands like Bikini Kill would do is they mm-hmm. would tell the women, come to the front. Men, yeah. you go to the back. We're going to make mm-hmm. space, a safe space for women. They're going to be able to mosh. They're going to be able to be themselves. And you're going to cheer them on. You're not going to make noise at them. You're going to make noise for them. You're going yep. to lift them up. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because in this episode, we see her at the end, like really assert herself in regards to Pietro, her, her fake P- 
Pietro. <laughs> Your fake Pietro, which we can talk so much more about fake okay. Pietro. And <laughs> I was like, that's not Aaron Taylor Rogers. <laughs> the goofy uncle. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that that was, that was really reminiscent of her oh, saying yeah. like, I am not just the mom. I am not just the wife. This is, and even in her costuming, right? This is, this is symbolizing that I am going to be the Scarlet Witch. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And I totally got that right girl vibes. I grew up um, in music discovery, listening to Sleater Kinney and Latigra and like <laughs> thinking, oh, I can totally be a tomboy still, but I could be a girl while doing that. And yeah. and it's okay to be a girl and be a badass. And um, that was totally something in the 90s that a lot of girls went through where they were just kind of tired of being pop princess and mm-hmm. the dichotomy of seeing Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera at the time, but also knowing that there were these girls who could rock out and be punk rock badasses um, totally is maybe it it shows a dichotomy of what Wanda wanted to be and who she was before. I feel like every girl has a bit of a transformation when they grow up, Mm -hmm. when they Mm -hmm. go through those formative years. I know I had many stylistic choices that were very, (laughs) very different and still are changing to this day. Um, But I think that that was really fun to see and also really touching to see that she was going through these real life emotions, even though she is somebody that has a lot of power to control her Mm -hmm. own universe. She's still going Mm -hmm. through these things. And that really made her way, way more human and way more relatable, especially to women. Yeah. So I would say that those were some of the things that I really loved. Um, mm. and, and then certainly um, the episode where the beds get combined for like the foreshadowing <laughs> yeah. of them having kids. Baby, I thought yeah. that was that was very <laughs> clever. And again, that moving of the eras because we, we did mm. only see couples sleep in separate beds. And then yep. um, uh, apparently uh, Mary Kay and Johnny was the first uh, show to feature Mm. Um, a couple in a bed together and be never pregnant, saw that so, um, I've never seen it either but there you go there's some history for y'all <laughs> to put in your trivia night um, yeah I think the thing that bothered me which I don't know if it, it quite bothers anybody else the same is that Scarlet Witch is 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 that character is um, uh, inspired off of the Romani people, um, mm. but it does not really show the honoring of them. In fact, uh, Romani people are presented as being chaotic, as being emotional, as being uncontrolled. And um, even in her having her classic Scarlet Witch costume in the Halloween episode, even though she uh, is saying that this is, you know, a Sokovian fortune teller, um, they didn't have to sort of insert that type of language. She could have just said that she was a made up comic book character. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more that they kept hinting towards her Romani past or or at least what. Um, is inspired by the Romani people, the more it was the stereotype of of uh, these individuals and not so much their their actual heritage. Yeah. Um, and so I wished that we hadn't gotten that close to it. I, I, I felt like we could have pushed the narrative slightly different in, in regards to her past, especially because she's already not Magneto's kid. Um, yeah. 
and that I would say that was the only thing that bothered me because even mm -hmm. her sort of exploding in her grief, um, Romani people have experienced a lot of grief because they mm -hmm. um, they've been removed from their lands. They um, they have had a lot of harm and trauma to their people. Um, mm -hmm. But that's being made fun of as like you just don't know how to control yourself. You just don't know how to be controlled. So mm -hmm. that that's where the history of the like the chaos magic comes from inspiration wise. And I feel like if we kept it in with the Mind Stone. And I, I feel like if we had not um, inserted that line about a fortune teller, I think I would have liked the liked it even more. It would have been a, a full nine. It's like an eight point seven for me. <laughs> yeah, I totally, I totally understand that. And like they portray them as such outlandish, kind of yeah. almost comical type of people, mm -hmm. but it really is part of their culture and something to you know be respected and honored. Um, so I totally see that. Um, for myself, I loved WandaVision. I love the mystery of it. I love the unknowingness and kind of like, how are they going to, how are they going to immerse me in classic television, but also make it creepy and mysterious like the Twilight Zone. And I love the Twilight Zone. I actually probably watch more retro TV than I would like to just because mm -hmm. I was so used to it and it's comforting to me. Um, so I, I really liked the way that um, just the the style choices and the way that they were so um, they were so true to the era. They like took things from the Brady Bunch, like you saw staircases that look mm -hmm. like the one in the Brady Bunch house. You yeah. saw, like you said, I mean, like the the set for the first episode was almost exactly like I Love Lucy set, where the kitchen was mm -hmm. on the right, the dining room and the um, the dining room and the 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 living, living room, room in the middle and then they had their bed somewhere else i think that that was really smart of them to present it in that way that was familiar but also foreign and i think whenever they played with that all throughout the series was really fun to kind of just like go back and forth because mm -hmm. i like watching something but also having a hidden agenda of like like how is the production thinking about this every yes. single time and that's why um watching assembled really really helped because i saw like what they were thinking of and i was like if i were to recreate a whole scene kind of like how sometimes we do theater in the classroom like mm -hmm, how would i mm -hmm. how can i make this real like what do i tell like you know, my uh students the actors what mindset do we they have to be to make this feel tangible and make this feel like how it's supposed to um i love the breaks the commercial breaks as creepy as they were yes. um i love that uh they brought back randall park as jimmy woo because i love jimmy woo and ant-man and uh the wasp i think he's hilarious i love randall park he himself was on a sitcom fresh off the boat which mm -hmm. was based off of um eddie wong's life who is a chef and entrepreneur and that sitcom was so important to me because it was the first time since i think margaret chose a sitcom where you saw an asian family mm -hmm. going through um, their life in America. So I really love Fresh Off the Boat. So um, I'm pretty sure that Randall Park was really excited to be part of WandaVision, being that he was also in a sitcom himself. Yes. Um, even talking about uh, Darcy, who is from the <laughs> Thor movies. Um, she, uh, what is her the name? The ultimate sass um, queen. The ultimate uh, sass Dan queen. Kat Dennings yeah. is also in a sitcom to Broke Girls on CBS. So and, she, yeah, and um, she's also. The, um, the Dolls one? Yes, um, Dollface. 
yes, which was yeah. such a fun show on Hulu and has a fantastic set of girls that are just so weird mm-hmm. and quirky <laughs> and is part of everybody's girl group, I guess, yeah. girl group of friends. I mean, anyway, watch Dollface. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, Particularly so she, the brunch episode. Yes. I, that whole series is just so funny. Um, so she brings a little bit of her snarkiness and sassiness from Two Bro Girls and Dollface into the MCU as Darcy. And she did Darcy before she did those sitcoms. Um, and and being in Thor and seeing the, the comedic style in Thor change from the first Thor to Ragnarok, I think um, she brought a little bit of that too. So that was really cool to see because it was familiar mm-hmm. um seeing those two characters pulled from a marvel universe into now wanda's world um <laughs> and introducing monica rambeau who is from the captain marvel movies who um is played by tiona paris who is beautiful by the way she's Gorge. a gorgeous human gorgeous. being um everything looked fantastic on her and yes it just, was it didn't matter what outfit no girl was wearing gorge i mean everybody looked amazing but she so gorgeous um tiona paris shout out to you did an amazing job becoming photon who will we will probably see in the later movies um but yeah there was just like overall the feel the vibe mm-hmm. the the tone of wandavision and the unknowing and mystery of it i loved um what i would have liked to see was more episodes because i feel like they were so yes. honed into the bewitched and the i love lucy and the i dream of genie eras that they didn't give that due diligence to other eras mm-hmm. and i think it could have maybe she could have used those 80s 90s sitcoms to interact with the townspeople more yes. and i would have liked to see what their perspective was because as they were sort of becoming self-realized that they were mm-hmm. in a world that wasn't theirs and they were you know trapped essentially i think those instances would have really made it difficult for wanda to want to continue because yeah. she was juggling do i do this for my family mm-hmm. do i save these people because they also have families that they are missing and mm-hmm. you know i'm changing their world in order to make my world better i think that would have given a lot more depth to her dilemma and mm-hmm. not just throwing agatha in there right away but also i wanted to see more agatha and Wanda yes. interactions. It was so yeah. electric seeing them on screen. And um, Catherine Hahn, who has been in so many different sitcoms, um, the first time I saw her was on Parks and Recreation mm-hmm. as um, mm-hmm. the no-nonsense lawyer that is, um, <laughs> funnily enough, representing Bobby Newport, who is Paul Rudd, who is Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> so all of these all of these fun connections that I was making in my mind, um, being an avid consumer of pop culture. Yes. Um, seeing her step into Agatha and being really scary and just mm-hmm. like controlling and um that that ultimate portrayal of a witch who is just out there to just destroy um she played that really well and i think that witch versus witch who is good who is bad are they both bad are they both just going to destroy this earth i wanted to see more depth in that so more episodes would have been greatly appreciated i hear that they're not doing a season 2 is that correct that's what I hear as well. Um, hopefully that's just a rumor uh, mm-hmm. and that they're 
or or that it's going to be titled something different, right? Like Falcon or Winter Soldier, who is no longer the Falcon and he's Cap. Yeah. Captain right? America. <laughs> so, um, Scarlet Witch know. Vision. <laughs> Scarlet Vision. Scarlet <laughs> Vision. Hey, you know what? And that could be a play on her seeing red mm-hmm. and that um, symbolism of hers. She's just now we see her in her remote village somewhere. Is it probably near Sokovia? I don't know where it is. Yeah, some kind of um, Eastern Europe. Some area, kind of. Yeah. She looked like she's in the Himalaya somewhere. Mm-hmm. She has red eyes. She's controlling her um, projection of, of herself in front mm-hmm. of the the house, and she's trying to get her babies back. So you could see that she is fully seeing Scarlet yes. because she is just laser focused on getting her family back. So Disney, if you're listening, <laughs> Marvel, if you're listening. <laughs> We have an idea for you, which is probably an idea that you probably thought of already. (laughs) Yes, probably an idea. We we, we will only take 2%. Yes, we will take 2%. (laughs) Hey, but that's a big chunk, though. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. Um, But uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to say about WandaVision? Oh, I didn't give my rating, right? Yeah, what's Um, your rating? Man, I think just this is my favorite. Did I... Did I say Loki was my favorite set? I love Loki so much. (laughs) But WandaVision, it just speaks to my vintage retro heart. And all of the things that I love about um, pop culture growing up. So Mm -hmm. if I gave Loki, did I give it an 8.5? I think you you were in the middle. Yeah, I was in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I was in the middle. Um, I I put it at an 8.52. Okay. Maybe even an 8.6, just because the styles were just so true in the beginning and they really got the costume down and it really pissed a lot of people off, which I loved. I love that I got the the neck beard shaking. <laughs> it's yes. always fun to see that. And it's always fun to see the fandom shook because if the yes. fandom shook, then you know you did a good job because you really... You are really onto something. And it's usually a hit with Marvel. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a miss, but we haven't seen a miss since I think The Incredible Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) What? There was no Incredible Hulk movie. That doesn't exist. Edward Norton? That wasn't. Oh, that was Fight Club. That's right. It was all it was all a figment of his imagination. Yes. That's right. That was part of Fight Club. So um Yeah. Yeah. It was really good to see that. I think for me, the only thing is, again, in regards to the music, um, I really loved the scene where they had Help Me Rhonda playing to then all of a sudden Help Me Wanda. Wanda, yeah. (laughs) I think that was a good sort of like narrative uh, uh, shift. So good. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I think that I don't know if we'll get something similar to this again. Uh, mm-hmm. In regards to any of the the Marvel um, movies or shows, I think we're going to get very traditional um, back to the Marvel mm-hmm. Marvel uh, formula, um, and so uh, I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay yeah. with this being its 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 unique um, a thing. I I think that there's no way to recreate yeah. this and have it just be as magical. The timing was so right. We were coming out of the pandemic, sort of. I mean, we're not out of it. We're kind of back in it. But (laughs) um, everybody was still at home. We were still consuming media, mainly through our television screens and our computer screens. And 
I think the timing was just right to reintroduce the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this way because we haven't seen anything since mm -hmm. um, everything shut down. So it was a perfect way to launch Disney plus Marvel media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they saw how successful, like you said, The Mandalorian was. Mm -hmm. And because they knew it was successful for Star Wars, they're like, hey, we have a whole new phase to introduce and yes. it's going to take a lot of details. So now knowing that they're using this in tandem with the movies, it really kind of conditioned us to mm -hmm. consume this sort of media in this grand world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, and get ready to dive in and analyze um, alongside each other with yeah. movies and TV. So Steph and um, the happiest pot on earth uh, universe, uh, what will be up on our docket uh, next? What, what, what do we is have on coming our, up? What do we have on our docket next? I know that we are done with, well, we're not done with talking about all the shows, right? We still have to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier, which <laughs> I loved so many things about. Yes. I love Sam. <laughs> I love Sam and I love Bucky and they're they're like they're like the the boy band <laughs> that <laughs> that exists in my Marvel heart. <laughs> the bromance. The bromance and you guys will come to see how much I love buddy cop comedies. Yeah. I have so many favorites, but I'll talk about that later. So we are going to be talking about Falcon and Warner Soldier pretty soon. Um, but I know that uh, we're going to have some special guests, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, we're going to have a guest tell us uh, their experience on Web Slinger. Um, yep. we, we have a friend who who got in. Got he did in. It. He did it. <laughs> um, I also know that we're going to talk about um, uh, AA combining our our music passion with our disney yes. passion uh mm -hmm. disney karaoke yes disney karaoke which is a thing guys it's a thing. don't it's a real don't believe thing. the memes don't believe the memes. It's real. It's <laughs> yeah real. we're gonna talk about karaoke um and the ways that uh we use karaoke to connect um mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the ways that we're going to use uh karaoke and music especially yes. disney music disney to music. um to relate to other people other fans and the way that uh the uniqueness of Disney music connects us and our yeah. kids too. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of things to look forward to. Um, I will be going to the parks hopefully soon. Yay! Um, so you'll see that in an episode. Um, hopefully I have a good experience, fingers crossed, because um, I want to have at least the experience that you had, Ariel, because you had a really good experience. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, but... Once again, thank you for listening to The Happiest Pod on Earth. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Happiest, G uh, Happiest Pod GT and on Instagram at Happiest Pod GT, um, where we will be updating you on all the things happening in the Disney Marvel Star Wars universe. Absolutely. Bye, everybody. Bye.